Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our two-week look at a fireside message that was given by Dr. Brad Wilcox. He's the second counselor of the Young Men General Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He also serves as a professor at Brigham Young University. He gave a talk back on February 6, 2022 in Alpine, Utah. It was a message that he gave to a group of young people. What he did was he went through the word gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, and with each letter he was expounding on it, on what that letter stood for, and then gave a description according to LDS theology. Today we are looking at the last letter in the word gospel, L, and he says that it stands for living prophets. He said many people believe in Jesus because of Peter, James, and John. We believe because of Peter, James, and John, but also because of Russell Dallin and Henry. He's referring, of course, to the First Presidency. Same priesthood authority, same special calling, same special witness of the Savior. Let me stop you there because, again, Wilcox gets it wrong. When he refers to Russell, Dallin, and Henry, of course, that is Russell M. Nelson, that's Dallin H. Oaks, and Henry B. Eyring. Same priesthood authority as Peter, James, and John? Okay, show me anywhere in the New Testament where Peter, James, and John had any kind of priesthood authority comparable to the Melchizedek priesthood authority that Brad Wilcox thinks his church has. You see, this statement is just false. There's no way you could ever prove a statement like that. You would have to argue from silence because nowhere in the New Testament does it mention anything that even remotely sounds like the priesthood that the LDS Church has, the Melchizedek priesthood. Peter, James, and John, we know, did not hold the Aaronic priesthood. They were not from the right tribe. So they obviously couldn't have held that. But then, even Latter-day Saints who claim to hold the Aaronic priesthood, they have no authority to hold that priesthood because they're not from the correct tribe. They're not a son of Aaron. And certainly in the Old Testament, they would have never been considered for that kind of priesthood at all. So when he says the same priesthood authority, same special calling, same special witness of the Savior, I don't think Peter, James, and John believe that Jesus was a spirit brother of Lucifer. I don't think Peter, James, and John believe that Jesus only became God at a particular point in time. I don't think Peter, James, and John believed a lot of the things that Latter-day Saints believe about their Jesus. So to make this statement, folks, is just patently wrong. Now, Wilcox goes on to say that the summer before COVID shut down the world, I was invited to go to an evangelical Latter-day Saint conversation. 
It was in Idaho Falls. They got the local high school auditorium. They filled it with people. Then they had a minister from Boise represent the evangelical point of view. They had me from BYU representing the Latter-day Saints point of view. And we had a little discussion back and forth. I'm not exactly sure which one he's talking about, but the only one I know of didn't take place the summer before COVID. That would have been the summer of 2019. I do know that Wilcox did have one of these dialogues with Pastor Stephen Crane from Eagle, Idaho, which is a suburb of Boise. It was not held in a high school auditorium. It was held in the civic auditorium. Now, maybe Wilcox got his facts wrong. Uh, That does happen, and I'm not going to fault him for that. But he's going to talk about what went on in this discussion And if it's the one where Stephen Crane is talking to him, then Stephen Crane apparently asked him, are you a Bible-based church? And I said, no, not the way you're thinking of it, but yes, in a way you've never thought of before. He didn't know exactly what I was talking about. So I explained. I said, a lot of people hold the Bible up and they say, this is my religion. He says, I would be one of those people. I said, yeah, but the Bible is not actually religion. The Bible is a history of people who had religion. What did the people in the Bible have? They didn't have the Bible, not the way we have it today. So what religion did they have? They had prophets, they had apostles, and we got the same thing today. So if you look at it like that, we're the only Bible-based church. Now, do you see what Mr. Wilcox did? He didn't answer the question. I'm sure the question was referring to the fact that do you support everything that you believe from the Bible? That's what Christians mean when we say we belong to a Bible-based church. In other words, we are pointing to the Bible as the authority for what we believe, and if we can't find it in the Bible, then it's not one of those doctrines we're going to really argue over. We can debate some issues, but we're not going to divide over those issues. I'm sure that was the context in which this question was asked, but yet Wilcox doesn't answer the question. He goes off on this tangent about, well, we believe in prophets and apostles, and so you have to believe me when I tell you that we're the only Bible-based church. That was not an impressive answer. Now, this might impress high school students that are sitting there, But then he goes on to say that many Christians follow Christ, and they follow him very sincerely. But we are the only Christians on this planet who are led by Jesus Christ. It's one thing to follow him. It's another thing to be led by him. And he leads us as he's always led his children through living prophets and through living apostles. I've got to admit, Eric, this kind of language starts to irritate me after a while. He's playing word games here. If you were to ask me, do you feel, Bill, as a Christian, that you're led by Jesus Christ? I would say, most certainly, I feel I'm led by Jesus Christ. And why would I draw that conclusion? Because I'm led by him by what I see in the Gospels. I'm led by him by what I see in Paul's epistles that I have to assume reflect also the teachings of Jesus. In other words, I don't see them out of harmony with the Gospels. So when he says, And he leads us, as he's always led his children, through living prophets and through living apostles. Is that what Hebrews chapter 1 says, Eric? No, Hebrews 1, starting with verse 1, says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. 
But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. So we would agree that in times past, according to Hebrews chapter 1, that God did speak through prophets to the people. But now things are a little bit different. Well, maybe not so, because we do believe that Jesus is our prophet. He is our living prophet. Now, let me ask you, do you think that Brad Wilcox would rather have as his living prophet Brigham Young or Jesus Christ? Do you think that he would rather have John Taylor as his prophet or Jesus Christ? Now, can he have both? I don't know. We would have to ask him. But I'll tell you, yesterday we introduced Jana Reese's criticism of Brad Wilcox and some of the things he said in this fireside talk. I would love to ask that question of her. Would she like to be led by, let's say, the living prophet Brigham Young if she was alive during the 19th century? Would she have tolerated some of the racist comments made by John Taylor, the third president of the church? After all, when he said those things, he was living so he would have been the living prophet. Would she go along with some of the statements made by Spencer Kimball, who was the 12th prophet of the church? Now, Eric, you were telling me that when you are using Spencer Kimball's book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, in an evangelistic effort, you're hearing a lot of Latter-day Saints saying terrible things about Spencer Kimball. Why don't you relate some of those you know, the vitriol that I feel out there oftentimes, especially in the last few years, from Latter-day Saints who are faithful. I'll give you one example at the temple in Mesa, Arizona. And I, again, I'm handing out the book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, offering it to people. And I had a lady just staring me down at the intersection where there was a long wait because a train was going by. So we had a chance to talk, and she said, why are you handing out that book? I said, well, because it's a book that was written by a general authority, and I think it does a pretty good job of explaining what a person has to do in order to get the celestial kingdom. She says, but why that book? I said, well, because this is a book that has some kind of authenticity to it, because the church has cited it many times. In fact, even that book is in the Church History Museum. She says, well, I hate what he wrote in that book. And she was talking about all of the things that Kimball said against homosexuality. And I said, so then do you consider Kimball to be a true prophet of God? She says, well, yes, he was. I said, so was he a true prophet or a false prophet when he wrote this book? And he wrote it as an apostle, but later as, an, as a prophet, he never said anything bad about the book. And the book has, as I said, has been touted in general conferences, a book that every Latter-day Saint ought to read. She didn't like that, but that's not uncommon. I hear that often when I'm using this approach. Uh, so I find that uh, Spencer Kimball, out of all the modern-day prophets, is probably the one that's most despised by many, probably liberal, Latter-day Saints. So if Jana Reese, for instance, was to say this very same thing, though he leads his children through living prophets and through living apostles, you don't think that Jana Reese would probably like Spencer Kimball because of some of the comments that Jana Reese has said. Oh, I'm sure she doesn't agree see, with him. Yeah, exactly. You see, this is the problem that I have with complaints by members such as Jana Reese, though I think in many areas, I think she's very sincere about what she believes, but I, I see this huge inconsistency with members like her. Because she wants to have this structure, but she doesn't want to believe in the structure. But Jana Reese, as we've mentioned this week, was very critical of Brad Wilcox. This is what she said in that 
piece that we cited yesterday and also the day before that was published on February 16th, 2022. It was titled, Mormon Leader's Apology for Racist Remarks Does Not Go Far Enough. This fireside, speaking of the one by Wilcox, is filled with stories of Wilcox correcting those he sees as wrong, which appears to be everyone who is not over him in the LDS hierarchy. His student is wrong. The feminist at the conference is wrong. The Protestant pastors are wrong. The woman who rewrote her vows is wrong. The people who point out the church's racist history are wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Jenna Reese says. Now, what's kind of interesting about this is she actually points out something that Brad Wilcox says, and she says he was wrong. So it's wrong for Wilcox to say someone couldn't be wrong, but it's okay for Jenna Reese to say Wilcox is wrong. My question would be this if this is the structure you want, then okay, then have it. Then that means you would have to believe that Brigham Young was a true prophet who was living when he said the things you find distasteful and even abhorrent, John Taylor would be the same. Maybe even David O. McKay, but also even Spencer Kimball. So that woman that you met would also be in the wrong for criticizing Spencer Kimball if she really wants to belong to a church that has this top-down structure. The point that Wilcox is trying to get across to these young people is if you leave this church, you leave all that. Well, you want to know something? I wouldn't have a problem with that, because I think you can have a relationship with the true Jesus without all the baggage of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And maybe these kids should reconsider the church that they belong to. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.